There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I remember it like it was yesterday. The moment the, as it was described in the courtroom, emotionless, high-profile lawyer arrives at the hospital with his wife that he just shot from the back seat of their SUV. She dies. Emotionless. That is how Tex McIver was described immediately after shooting his wife dead. He was convicted, and rightfully so. But in their wisdom, in the last hours, the Georgia Supreme Court has reversed the conviction. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111, where we still care about missing people, especially children, unsolved homicides, and miscarriages of justice. With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. But first of all, take a listen to our friends at 48 Hours and 11 Alive. This was an enormously high-profile case. They were a big-time power couple. Here you have the vice chair of the state elections board, who's a prominent Atlanta lawyer. You have this strikingly beautiful, incredibly successful businesswoman. On the night of September 25th, 2016, Tex McIver shot and killed his wife, Diane. They'd been married for 11 years. I loved you before this ceremony, and I love you more because of it. Is there any scenario where you can think that Tex would have shot Diane intentionally? Never. Never once. Tex absolutely adored Diane. The Fulton County Medical Examiner has ruled 63-year-old Diane MacGyver died of a gunshot wound to the back. And tonight, a close friend of the couple told 11 Alive exclusively that two communities are grieving. 
The Quarry Services Tower in downtown Atlanta is lit up with this memorial to the company's president, Diane MacGyver. She was shot inside a Ford expedition she rode in late Sunday with her husband, Tex, and a close family friend as they returned from their Putnam County ranch. They were very, very good citizens of Putnam County. Hmm. Well, one of those so-called good citizens of Putnam County that's eaten in Georgia ended up behind bars for shooting his wife dead. One of the things I remember the most, Mike Pachinik, is that his story about how and why the gun misfired in the car. Let's see. First of all, um, he was asleep, and then he woke up because there was a bump in the road, I think, and he pulled the trigger, and whoops, it shot his wife dead. Then he claimed... Uh, oh, yes. Then he claimed it was the black people's fault. Remember that? That they were protesting and he pulled the trigger. That's right. Blame the black man again. Um, gosh, there was the sleeping. There was the so-called protest. Seems like there was another reason he shot his wife dead. Mike. Pachinik is with me, formerly with WSB-TV Channel 2, high-profile reporter. Mike, I can't believe they have reversed this case, but let's talk about what happened at the beginning before we get to another bad decision by the Georgia Supreme Court. Tell me what happened the night that Diane McIver, gorgeous, brilliant, beautiful, worked her fingers to the bone to build up Carrie Limo and was bailing this husband, Tex McIver, the high-profile lawyer, bailing him out. I mean, he was hemorrhaging money. All those designer clothes, a full-on farm in Eatonton, Georgia, when they lived and worked in Atlanta. He had been put on, was he put on off council, which means you're not bringing in enough money and his uh, fancy law firm. I mean, she was bailing him out with buckets. And then when she died, he gets it all. Isn't that the way it went down, Mike? Well, that's certainly uh, the way prosecutors portrayed their life. But, Nancy, this all started earlier in that day. They were at that ranch out there in Putnam County, making their way back to Atlanta. Their friend Danny Joe Carter was at the wheel. Diane's in the front seat, Texas in the back. And as they made their way into downtown Atlanta, there was some traffic. So they got diverted, got off the highway. And that is when uh, Tex uh, claims that he woke up, looked out the window and saw a group of homeless people and some Black Lives Matter protesters gathering in this area off what's called the downtown connector right in the heart of downtown Atlanta. I'm glad you corrected me, Mike. I forgot it was also the homeless people's fault. Go ahead. So they get off the highway and he looks around. He says, girls, I don't think we should have gone this direction. Please hand me my gun. His gun is in the console. It's in a plastic public shopping bag. He puts it in his lap and then claims to have fallen back asleep. They're driving through downtown into an area of Atlanta known as Midtown, just north of there, right on Piedmont Avenue, right next to Piedmont Park a sprawling green space right in the heart of Midtown Atlanta where folks come to congregate for festivals, very popular with restaurants, highly populated, a lot of folks out milling about. And that's when he claims uh, the gun's in his lap. He gets jerked away by this bump in the road and the gun goes off. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You know, Mike Pachinik, you know, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Not the creepy kind that stalks you and tries to look in your window, but following your work is a better way to put it. But I love the way you just put that. The gun just went off. It's like um, a snake coiled up in the corner. It just strikes all on its own. B.S. Pachinik. He pulled the trigger. The gun didn't just go off. It didn't malfunction. The trigger was pulled and he shot his wife dead. Isn't that true? Well, that was the question, was whether he had cocked the gun prior to that. Because as you know, if the gun isn't cocked, it takes a lot of pressure for someone to pull a trigger. And so if the gun were cocked, a hairpin would set it off, right? So uh, that was sort of the, uh, the, the, the story. A hairpin. Yeah, hairpin. A hairpin. Yep. What hairpin? Now, I'm serious. A hairpin would have set it off. It was his finger. Is that the hairpin to which you are referring? Perhaps. 
perhaps. But that, but that was never established, whether the trigger was actually pulled. I mean, whether the, the, the gun was cocked. Okay, it was never established whether the gun was cocked or not. Agree. But was it established? It was his finger on the trigger. Right. For the gun to have gone off the way he's asserting, it would have had to have been pulled back if it were that simple. Otherwise, he would have had to apply good five pounds of pressure to pull the trigger, which would mean that he was intentionally pulling the trigger, right? Caught or not caught, do you disagree that he pulled the trigger? He had to have pulled the trigger if the gun went off. So the gun didn't just go off. He pulled the trigger. The question is whether he applied the pressure to pull the trigger if the gun were not cocked. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's the first time I've laughed today. Isn't that the first time I've laughed today? Okay, so Daryl Cohen, I think Mike Pachinik, as famous as he has become uh, throughout the South at WSB TV Channel 2, he may have lost his calling because he would make one H-E-double-L of a defense attorney. Because I've never heard anybody, really, other than you, be able to suggest that even though he pulled the trigger, it was an accident. Well, Nancy, you're going to hear it from me oh, again. Dear Lord how, many to- how many times do we know that he practiced firing a weapon from the back seat through a front seat into a person before this? We don't. How many how many times was the trigger pulled? Once. How much do we know? Was he drunk? Was he sleeping? I don't even think that matters. He said he was sleeping and woke up and that it was the black people and the homeless people that scared him. So he shot his wife. Yeah, I, I, I don't even understand this. Everyone keeps talking about Midtown like it's some nefarious. I lived there. It's not. I lived right there about three blocks from where this went down for years and years and years and never had a problem. But somehow it's the neighborhood. It's the homeless people. It's the black man. It's all their fault because he pulled the trigger. And you and Pachinik can talk about how was it an accident that he pulled the trigger. He, I could hold a gun up right now and point it at Jackie sitting here in the studio and, and, and pull it and go, oh, that was an accident. Isn't it true, Daryl Cohen, that the law, the black and white letter of the law, presumes you intend the natural consequence of your act. I can't hold a gun up to her and pull the trigger and go, oh, I just meant to scare her. I didn't mean mean to blow her face off. The law presumes you mean the natural consequence of your act. And if he's holding a gun with his finger on the trigger in the back seat and the barrel is pointed at her seat, what does the law presume, Daryl? If there was no back seat if he was pointing it directly at her and everything else. And by the way, Nancy, let's use a kiss method. Keep it short, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. This is simple in my view. We don't know what type of material was in the seat between Have you lost him your, Okay, and, you know what? Sometimes I forget this is your job uh, to nope, make what is, is very real. clear, very muddy. You know what? Um, Mike Pachinik, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go back to you, and I want you to tell me about the jury's verdict and the nurses who testified on one Friday morning in court how McIver was completely emotionless at the hospital and that Diane herself said McIver had been holding a gun behind her back and that she chose not to see her husband before she died. She was asked Do you want him to come in? She did not want him in the room with her, Mike. That's right. And everybody said that he was not acting like you would expect a grieving husband to act, you know, emotionless, uh, perhaps in shock, but not not certainly acting like somebody who had just shot their wife, whether it was accidental or not. Uh, And, you know, yes, she did not want to see him there in the ER. Now, you could perhaps argue she didn't want him to see her in that condition. Uh, but you could also argue that she was mad at him for what had happened and, you know, didn't want to have him around for that situation. Mike, are you married? Yes, I am. Okay. Happily. Is there me too? And he better say the same thing. Mike, um, has your wife ever been in the hospital or been really, really sick? Uh, unfortunately, she has. 
Okay. Did she want you to stay out of the room because she thought she didn't look good? No. Because my husband, when Lucy and I almost died, childbirth, my husband never left my side. Not once. And I didn't care how I looked. I wanted him to be there, even if it was the bitter end. So I am not buying into, she didn't want him to see her like that. That's total BS, technical legal term. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible. It's Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Uh, earlier, you heard Daryl Cohen, and I, I'm about to introduce our, our whole panel. You heard Daryl Cohen saying, well, had this guy ever had target practice? I'm glad you brought that up as a defense, Daryl Cohen, which is one of the reasons I like to follow the cardinal rule in court. Don't ask the question that you don't already know the answer to. Take a listen to our Cut 5. This is uh, our friend at 48 Hours. But Tex was no stranger to guns, with a collection of nearly 40, including rifles and AR-15s. You ever taken any, like, safety classes or anything like that? The idea that Tex McIver should have known better was about to become a central theme in this case. But it's what Tex did after the shooting that, to some, 
made him seem more and more like a killer. It gets really crazy. I think we've called it a textbook example of what not to do after you kill your wife. And one of those things was to immediately sell his highly successful wife's beautiful clothes, her purses, her belongings, her jewelry. He basically had a fire sale almost immediately after his wife is shot dead by him. That's one of the things. Take a listen to our cut six, our friends at Fox 5. Listen as prosecutors ask a judge to delay any additional sales of Mrs. MacGyver's valuables. If a defendant is allowed access to the proceeds of either the benefits of the will and or the benefits of the insurance policy, they can conceivably deplete all of those assets. And if a disposition is then entered where Mr. MacGyver, for instance, was found guilty of murder, or felony murder or voluntary manslaughter under the Slayer statute, all of those proceeds would have to be returned to Mrs. McIver's estate. And if he's not, all of those proceeds would then be his. Attorney William Hill challenged whether it was even necessary to hold this hearing. Tex MacGyver, who says the sale is intended to award four of Diane's friends with settlements called for in the will, he says he would have been willing to first place all the proceeds in probate court. Now, it is the probate court that Judge Constance Russell says should have handled the matter altogether. And she says to the prosecution, that's where it should go. She denied the motion. Okay, let me understand this. Daryl Cohen. So after he shoots his wife in the back, after she says, don't let him in my hospital room just before she dies, he has a fire sale of all of her minks and her jewels and her designer shoes and handbags and clothes. Did, did, did I hear that correctly, Daryl Cohen? I think you did, Nancy. Yeah, I think I did too. What his actions were were incomprehensible. But here's a man who was absolutely incomprehensible. His actions, his demeanor, all of that <laughs> doesn't make sense. It goes under. It does he make can't sense. can't make this stuff up. It does make sense. It makes Perfect sense. You know what I've got right here in the in the studio with me? My dad's shirt. He wore all the time. His favorite shirt. Okay. Um, in my closet, what you see every morning, Keith, my fiance that was murdered, baseball. He was on baseball scholarship. And sometimes they make me sad and sometimes they give me strength. But Somebody would have to go through hell and high water to get either one of those things away from me. And here he's having a yard sale. Dr. Sherry Schwartz joining me, forensic psychologist specializing in crime and law, where law and psychology intersect. Dr. Sherry, I don't find it difficult or incomprehensible, as Daryl Cohen makes out. I find it very simple and easy to understand. He killed his wife, and he wants her money, and none of her possessions Nothing that was dear to her means anything to him. He's selling it all. He might as well just throw it out on the sidewalk. Absolutely. And here's what we know. Here's what what grief research tells us. One of the biggest challenges for widows in particular is to clean out the closets of their loved one. They want to hold on to the belongings because it makes them feel close to the person. They have guilt. They don't want to get rid of the belongings because then it's almost like you're saying out with the old, in with the news, new, but Tex McIver didn't seem to struggle with that. What exactly happened in that car the evening that Diane was murdered? Was I'll just say shot since we're still arguing about the fact of the murder. Take a listen to our cut three. This is Valerie Hoff at 11 Alive. As police investigate how a gun went off inside the vehicle, Putnam County Sheriff Howard Sills is remembering a close friend of many years. He says the MacGyvers, who divided their time between Buckhead and Eatonton, were philanthropists who were very involved in the community, often entertaining at MacGyver Ranch. Diane was a, was a vivacious, beautiful, entertaining uh, woman who was uh, uh, a lot of fun to, to be around. Atlanta police have not yet completed their investigation, though they say they are fairly close. Sheriff Sills says Tex MacGyver, a prominent Atlanta attorney, is distraught and grief-stricken. So distraught and grief-stricken, he has a yard sale. Now take a listen to our cut for our friends from 48 Hours. Diane is seated in the passenger seat. Tex is seated right behind his wife. Not far from home, they hit traffic and exited the highway. 
Tex says he woke up, saw homeless people, and became worried. A spokesman would later say that Tex asked for his gun because he was afraid of carjackers and Black Lives Matter protesters. With that loaded gun now in his lap, Tex says he fell back asleep. Gun expert Bert Davis. Can a 38 special just accidentally go off? Never known it to happen. You have to pull the trigger. Jiminy. Ooh, what is your challenge with this gun? Well, I think you just put your finger on it. Clearly, a trigger was pulled. The question is, was that a voluntary, knowing and intentional action or an involuntary action based upon an accident? I mean, Lisa Daddio joining me, former police lieutenant with New Haven PD and now director of the Center for Advanced Policing. Lisa, thank you for being with us. Uh, you hear this guy has a collection of 40 guns, including an AR. You also hear the ballistics experts say a 38 is not going to go off, quote, on its own. What do you make of it? it? It's an excuse he's using, and that's just my personal feeling. Um, you don't have that that volume of firearms, and one would assume he has adequate training and he knows what he's doing with the firearm for something to go off, quote, accidentally. Um, having your finger on the trigger, being able to pull that trigger with however many pounds is required for the weapon that was used in this murder. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and hearing it and seeing it, it's just, it, it's honestly mind boggling. Um, the claims in this case that it was anything but murder. And let's talk about the trajectory path in the case. Uh, Dr. Kendall Krause is joining me, Chief Medical Examiner of Tarrant County. That's Fort Worth. Lecturer, U- University of Texas and Texas A&M, and on faculty, University of Texas Medical Branch. Dr. Crowns, thank you for being with us. What can you tell us about the trajectory path? So the trajectory path of the bullet was listed by the medical examiner going from back to front, right to left, and downwards. There was some question of whether it was upwards, but based on what the medical examiner said, it did have a downward trajectory path. Okay, Dr. Kendall Crowns, could you translate that? What does that mean? If he's sitting in the back seat and you've got, obviously, back to front, which means he shot from the back seat, she's sitting in the front seat, from right to left must mean he scooted over or in the very middle, if the trajectory goes from her right to her left, and you're saying up to down, up to down, like right under the breast, downward toward the hip. And that, what does that mean? Where would he have been sitting? How how would that have happened? So he it, the gun itself would have to be slightly, to have a downward wound course, kind of slightly elevated uh, based on the entrance wound. So it's, you know, if it's sitting in his lap like the uh, he is saying, it's a possibility that the, the gun's firing from, you know, waist height of him, hitting her in the back and then going uh, in a slightly downward course. But he's right-handed. That If it were to go off in that direction and he's holding it in his right hand, he'd have to turn. I, I don't see how that would be achieved by just sitting in the back seat with your hand holding the gun and your finger on the trigger. If that were true, and you're right-handed, it would have gone off toward the driver's side, not the passenger side. That's correct. If he's sitting, the yeah, he, I mean, you make a good point. It would be difficult if he's firing it from his right hand for it to have a right-to-left trajectory based on her position in the car. Okay, so Dr. Kendall Crowns, I was thinking left to right. You said this was right to left, correct? Correct. Okay, that makes more sense. If he's right-handed, he's on the right, he's turned that way. Yeah, still, but still you've got up to down. That doesn't make sense. If he's sitting behind her, holding the gun in his lap, as he says, how would the trajectory path be up to down? Uh, again, I mean, it's it's difficult to say based on the level of the uh, chairs in the car. I would assume they're all level. You would expect it to be more of a just uh, 
no upward downward deviation just to be a straight shot through so it does show that the gun is slightly above uh, her position uh, when it's fired to give it a downward course again i i don't have a good explanation for that. To Mike Pachinik joining me, former reporter WSB TV Channel 2 Atlanta. How did the defense, if you can recall, explain away that trajectory path? Well, I mean, they, they claimed that, you know, the, the way he was sitting, uh, you know, the, the gun would have been on his lap. And, you know, they, they had a, a defense uh, expert who, who testified uh that the gun would not have been against the seat, that it would have been, you know, back a few inches when fired. Um, tests for gunshot residue were not conducted by APD, uh, according to this expert. Um, and that he said the gun really wouldn't have been pressed up against the seat, it had to have been at least six inches away um, and, 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 and potentially in that plastic bag, as they had said. And that, uh, you know, in, with the, the gun resting on his thigh in that way, um, due to the what they called spatial constraints inside the SUV, holding the gun vertically would not have been possible. Okay. I hear you talking about what the defense said was spatial constraints in the car. I know this. They can spatial constraint, constraint all they want to, but he pulled the trigger and she's dead and she did not want him in the room with her as she was dying. And that's got to count for something. And you heard people describe his behavior afterwards as what not to do after your spouse dies. Take a listen now to our Cut 7. So in the car, you have the man who pulls the trigger, the woman who dies, and the driver. All three of these people initially say it was an accident. What happens after they get out of the car is Tex changes his story a couple of times, and the driver of the car, who originally said it was a terrible tragedy, a terrible accident, she changes her story, and she says that Tex asked her to change her story as well. He also then goes on to auction off all of her belongings. She had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry and furs and... Um, couture clothing and now he says it was at the behest of a lawyer who was running uh, her estate mm -hmm. but he each thing he does individually it looks a little odd but collectively it just doesn't look good at all what does she mean by that mike pachinik joining me formerly with wsb tv what does she mean that the driver danny joe carter also changed her story well you know in the days after the the shooting uh we know that tex mcgyver called her uh, left a voicemail on her husband's phone, essentially saying, she's going to send me to prison. You got to help me here, buddy. And, and that's, of course, why he was convicted of, uh, of witness tampering. But she was she was fearful. She was worried that he was going to come after her. When he wanted her, the driver, Danny Lynn Carter, to change her story, what did he want her to say, Mike? Well, I mean, he wanted her to say that this was, this was an accident. He wanted her to, to corroborate his story. So in the end, everything changed. I want you to hear what we know about Diane before her death, refusing to have her husband with her as she was rolled into the ER. Take a listen to our cut 12, our friends at 11 Alive. Before Diane went into the operating room, Dr. Hardy asked Diane if she wanted to see her husband. Here is Dr. Hardy recalling that question, followed by Diane's response to questions about the shooting itself. And, um... And she appeared to be coherent when she said no. Correct? Yes. Right. She said it was an accident. She wasn't uttering duress when she said No. You didn't try to steer her one direction or another to get her to say something. No. In her coherent state, she said it was an accident. Yes. And witnesses earlier in the day testified that Diane and Tex were not arguing leading up to the shooting. Uh, we also heard from other doctors and nurses. They said while at the hospital, Tex MacGyver did not show any signs of anxiety the night of the incident. And he remained calm and rather polite when talking with medical staff throughout the evening as he was updated on his wife's status at the hospital. Mike Buchanan, what exactly was the verdict? On which level? offense was he convicted? So he was convicted of felony murder, which as you know, Nancy, in the state of Georgia means that uh, the jury believed that he 
uh, was committing the felony of aggravated assault to, to wound his wife, and she died uh, during the commission of that felony. Uh, but what was curious was after the, the verdict, uh, a juror went on TV and was asked point blank, do you feel like this was, you know, malicious in any way? Of course, he wasn't convicted of malice murder, but he was convicted of felony murder, and the juror was, seemed kind of confused. And was like, I, you know, I think he did what he had to do. He shot her to incapacitate her so he could somehow control her. Uh, so there was a lot of confusion after that verdict, Nancy. Take a listen to our cut 13, the jury four person. Read the verdict into the record. <laughs> On count one, murder, we find the defendant not guilty. On count two, felony murder, we find the defendant guilty of felony murder. On count three, aggravated assault, we find the defendant guilty. On count four, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, we find the defendant guilty. On count five, influencing a witness, we find the defendant But in the last hours, the Georgia Supreme Court has chosen to completely override the jury decision and reverse the conviction. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Big thank you to our partner in making today's program possible is Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes we're endowed with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. Offering over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides you a path to help fulfill your dreams. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zyn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
Daryl Cohen joining me, former prosecutor, now defense attorney and civil attorney. Daryl, you know, we've all heard of ear witnesses. I was just listening, and I heard a voice that I could identify anywhere. It was a longtime friend, a protege, a person I trained myself, Clint Rucker, the prosecute, one of the prosecutors in this case. Daryl, could you explain how it feels when you put your heart, your soul into a case and you know the person is guilty and has done a horrible thing and an appellate court in their ivory tower reverses the case? Nancy, it's almost impossible to explain. Clint Rucker won this case, in my view, because of his pervasive. He was so pervasive. Oh, my gosh. He was so good at what he did. He made the jury realize. He brought the jury into the car. He brought the jury into the life of Texas, Diane McIver. He was able to convince them that what happened was not an accident. And when you put your heart and soul into a case and you believe everything that you've done and then you have someone or someones in this case who are not in the courtroom, who are only looking at the transcripts, it destroys your whole fiber of your being for this particular case because you know what you did was right you know what you did was the correct thing to do and you argued and you persuaded this jury to do what they should have done and to see people who were not there who don't really know the don't know what the feelings are the emotion it just it destroys you from within and especially a good prosecutor a decent good person like Clint, who gave it his all. And now this. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about money. Mike Pachinik, uh you just heard Daryl Cohen, who was a prosecutor in the same office with me under Mr. Slayton, as you will recall, describing the feeling you get when a, a, an appellate court who really has no idea what went on in the courtroom reverses your case. He mentioned the life they led. They lived pretty high on the hog, Mike. It was all her money. He was floundering. She was bailing him out, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, he worked at a big law firm, but you mentioned at the beginning that he was uh, sort of uh, set out to pasture, right, because he wasn't pulling his weight. And she was definitely the breadwinner in that house. She owned the ranch out in Edenton. Uh, there was testimony that she was lending him hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to bankroll his lavish lifestyle. In fact, during the trial, it came out that he sort of joked with her that he had to win the lottery because uh, he was spending more than they were bringing in. And, you know, the prosecution put on a, a case that here's a guy who stood to gain millions of dollars with Diane dead and she was more, worth more to him dead than alive. You know, I, I, that's, I think that's an illness, Dr. Sherry Schwartz. I really do. Not rising to the level of insanity, but, I mean, you know, Dr. Sherry, we grew up with nothing on a red dirt road in middle Georgia. And um, when you grow up that way, you know how blessed you are when you finally get a job, you know, when you finally get your first car. I mean, it, it sounds like spending money and being used to a lavish lifestyle was something he could not forego. It, it does seem like that. And you're right. It, there, it may not in and of itself be a diagnosable mental illness, but there is usually some sort of psychopathology underlying that. Whether it's, I mean, you know, we see it a lot in narcissism. You know, we see it in uh, histrionic personalities, various things where people are spending and spending and spending to try to fill some void, and they think that the stuff is going to help them fill that void. Mm. I think you just get used to being rich. I mean, Daryl Cohen, you and I prosecuted people that were broke. Uh, We prosecuted really, really rich people up from North Atlanta. Have you ever noticed how rich people... They are so cheap. They will spend all kind of money on themselves in a lavish lifestyle. They wouldn't give a man on the corner a dollar if their life depended on it. 
Well, Nancy, I think that's narcissism. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you had your uh, psychiatric degree as well, but go ahead. (laughs) It's my personal psychiatric degree. I just think that's narcissism, and it's it's all about me, and this is what much of this country has turned to be. I made that farm in Eatonton. That that was his idea, the ranch, the farm. They had a full-on staff. There was a home. There were hundreds of acres that had to be kept up. For what? So they could drive an hour out of Atlanta and go sit on the front porch on the weekend? I mean, that's a huge ticket item. Makes no sense to me. Never did. But you can't make this stuff up. You know, you just can't figure out rich people. I'm just telling you that. I mean, Mike Pachinik, what was their lifestyle? I mean, they, to give me an example, they had a private masseuse that would come to their fancy condo in Buckhead and, uh, you know, rub them down a couple times a week. That that had to have been expensive. Okay, wait, 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 please. Mike. Talking to you, I feel like I'm drinking out of the fire hydrant too much, too fast. Wait, could you slow down and say that again? I need to hear that one more time. They had a private masseuse who came to their fancy Buckhead condo several times a week to to give them a massage, which had to have been very expensive. In fact, she was called as a witness uh, in the trial, the masseuse. You know, I completely forgot that part. Tell me about that part. Yeah, this was a a young female masseuse uh, who became very close with Diane and Tex over time, uh, who would come and give them uh, uh, massages. And uh, frankly, during the trial, those of us who were covering it were were kind of waiting for the prosecution to drop some other shoe and claim that there was something untoward happening between Tex and this masseuse. That did not happen and that there was no evidence of that, but they were certainly kind of leading jurors down that path. Uh, but that's just an example of the kind of uh, spending uh, that, that they did. They, they were, you know, they were high society folks. You know, Dr. Kendall Crowns, uh, chief medical examiner, Tarrant County, as Fort Worth. Dr. Crowns, I'm sure you've heard the phrase dying declaration many, many times. That's an exception to hearsay. Um, and hearsay, when you ask a witness to state under oath to a jury or in court, what somebody else said that's not there to be cross-examined. That's the problem with hearsay. You can't cross-examine the speaker. Dying declaration, completely different. And in this case, Diane said, no, I don't want to see him. That was her dying declaration. She did not want him around her. Have you had other cases of your, let me just say, patients that gave dying declarations? And do you believe that based on what you know, Diane understood what she was saying at the end. Uh, you know, I have had other cases in which there was, you know, they asked for family to be by their side or asked to go home, things of that nature. Based on her injuries, I, I don't feel like she had anything that would have caused her uh, cognition or her ability to think clearly to be disrupted. So I I feel like she knew what she was saying at the time she passed away and had a whatever purpose in her mind for it. Uh, I don't think it was a confused statement. I think it uh, was something that she just didn't want him around at the end. Mike Pachinik with me, uh, high-profile reporter, formerly WSB-TV Channel 2. Why did the Supremes claim they had to reverse this decision? They claimed that there was thin evidence at best that there was an intentional murder committed here. But it wasn't an intentional murder conviction. It was a felony murder conviction. Right, right. And they are claiming that the jury should have been given the option to convict Tex MacGyver of the much lesser misdemeanor involuntary manslaughter charge, which would say that this was a reckless act, an accident, um, and they were not given that instruction. So the, so because of that, they overturned the conviction. Mm, mm, mm. What does it mean for him now? Is he already out of the jail? Is there going to be a new trial? What? He's still serving out a five-year sentence for the witness tampering charge. He only has a couple of months left on that. His attorneys have filed an emergency motion to get him out. The new district attorney, Fonnie Willis, in Fulton County, her office, uh, so that they will take this under advisement. They haven't decided whether to retry the case. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye, friend.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's Best Hybrid Mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.